0: Our series called an audience of one. It's out of the book of uh, Matthew and we're in chapter six. If you want to turn there this morning, we're going to do uh, verses uh, nine and ten. And uh, so basically where we are in this whole thing this morning is Palm Sunday. I I don't I know you say happy Easter. I don't know what you say of like happy Palm Sunday or good. Have a good Palm Sunday or whatever. But we're going to talk a little bit about Palm Sunday and what was going on there uh, with The Hosanna, and everybody seems to know the story. Jesus comes in, he's riding on a donkey, a colt. And people are laying their their, uh, palm fronds down, their jackets. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus is going to save them. And they missed the whole point. And so as we're we're going into the Lord's Prayer this morning, I want to make sure we we don't miss the point. Because we always blame everybody in the Bible for missing it. <laughs> As though if we were there, we would have been done a lot better job, right? So go ahead and uh, go to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're starting in verse 9. It says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed just means set apart. It could be saying, Give reverence to your name, glory, honor, set it apart. Let it be the most important thing. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So right now, the the title of this series is called An Audience of One, and Jesus is systematically going through things that are religious practices, giving, um, prayer, fasting, and he's essentially saying this. God doesn't really care about those things if your heart's not in it. That's what he's saying. If you, you're giving and your heart's not in it, God is all about relationship. And so we've already talked about giving, and we talked a little bit about prayer last week. And, um, and then Jesus says, this is how you're supposed to pray. Now, Jesus uh, modeled prayer's frequency and fervency. I, I've always thought it was fervent, See, until i typed it in word and it caught it and now i feel corrected it's fervency did anyone else see, think it was fervency yeah i did too thank you very much uh, okay so uh, it's fervency but jesus modeled this in his own life and we've seen it we talked a little bit about it last week we talked about going to that secret place When we got done with the sermon last week, some of us, including myself, raised my hand, and I said, this week, I'm going to try to do a better job of getting to my secret place. And I did. I did a better job. It was awesome. It was fantastic. The Lord rewarded me for it, like he said he was going to do. The Lord sees in secret, and he rewards you. I'm not driving any new car, but it was a a rewarding of deeper relationship with him. That's the point we talked about. So Jesus modeled this. And, uh, we see, uh, at, in the feeding of the 5,000, we talked a little bit about this last week at the height of Jesus's ministry. I mean, healings are happening. He's feeding 5,000 people are coming up to him. I mean, this would be if you were a pastor or whatever, th- these are when the articles would begin to be written about you and you'd start getting calls for interviews and all this kind of stuff. There wouldn't be time to pray. God's blessing it too much <laughs> to get away and pray. You don't have to pray. Everything's going great. And so Jesus feeds the 5,000 and it says he, he sent his disciples on and he went on a hillside to pray. He had to get reconnected with the Father. And that's what it's all about. And this is what Jesus is talking about in this whole thing of audience of one. For your giving, make it you, that you're giving to get closer to your Heavenly Father. If you're going to fast, fast so that you get closer to your Heavenly Father. If you're going to pray, pray that you get clo- so that you get closer to your Heavenly Father. He wants your heart. This is what it's all about. So he feeds the 5,000 and he goes up and he prays. Jesus comes in after the triumphal entry, right? Everyone's laying down their coats. He goes into the temple and what does he do? He grabs the tables and he throws them over. And we always say, you know, it's because those people... Those people were taking advantage of the poor. They were taking advantage of those uh, by, by trading and selling the deficit. They've made it a marketplace. And that was part of it. That was part of why he did that. But do you remember what he said? This is supposed to be a house of what? That's right. A house of prayer. That's what Isaiah says. It says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a robber's den. Jesus modeled the frequency and the fervency of prayer. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We see this in Luke. We talked about this in ver- uh, chapter 6. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Now, why in the world would Jesus even have to pray? I mean, Seriously. He's God, right? Fully man. He's totally in this kingdom here and fully God. If anyone shouldn't have to pray, it should be Jesus. He should pretty much have it all figured out by this time, right? He's in the middle of his ministry, whatever. Why does Jesus have to pray? Because he's fully man. And he models this. We need a relationship with God. Now, I do not stand up here to try to confess I understand the Trinity because I have not a clue of how all of it works. But for some reason, Jesus needed to pray and he needed to spend a lot of time doing it. And if Jesus needs to spend a lot of time doing it and his frequency, I have to learn from that and say, now, how, why is it that I don't pray as much as Jesus did? There must be something wrong with me, not Jesus, right? So we talked a little bit about that uh, last week. And we talked about um, two different kinds of people who pray, uh, the hypocrites and the pagans last week. The hypocrites pray. They Remember, they would pray three times a day. There was a, three hours of public prayer, and they would just happen to be up in front of everyone when that time, wow, it's time to pray already? Oh, I didn't know that. And then they pray, right? The pagans, it was all part of just a ritual, systematic. They think they're going to be heard for their many words. So they've got it all figured out. So we talked about those two types of things. It was interesting this week as, um, as uh, the, a certain governor got caught doing a certain something, something. Uh, you know, everyone gets upset. He's got he's to uh, uh, resign and all that. But if you listen to people, the fact that he cheated on his wife, the fact that he did all he, these things, that, that wasn't really the issue. His, his private life should be his private life. And if he wants to do this or that, I mean, there's lots. If you look at statistics, where the, everybody was indignant was what? The hypocrisy. He's going after all these people, righteous, and yet now we find out he's not so righteous. Let's kick him out. right? Nobody cared about the sin. It was the hypocrisy. But church, let me say this. This should be a little light that dings on our head. Ding. Because this is about the only thing the world condemns itself of is hypocrisy. Everything else is pretty much go go ahead and do what you want. But hypocrisy. So how much more should the church of Jesus Christ strive to not be hypocritical? Right? That should be on our hearts. It's a a way we can be different. Okay? Okay. So we need to keep that in the back of our mind. Here's what John Piper said. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we go to prayer, this is all just the introduction, by the way. Uh, So uh, when we go to prayer, there should be a sense of of being satisfied. There's something that's happening in, in that connection where we're satisfied. Because the things that satisfy us most are the things that we see as our God. So if I'm most satisfied by food, it's, 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 it's my, it becomes a God to me. I wait, oh man, 15 minutes to lunch. I can't wait. This is how I get all, oh, or it's comfort. Or I, something bad happens, so I run to the fridge. Because it's a God. It's what satisfies me to help me deal with my issues. And so, or Money. You know, oh, this, this next raise is really going to make a difference. We're, it's, re, oh, it, it's so satisfying to be able to shop and spend. And so what John Piper here is saying and what his ministry is really all about is desiring God in a way that we are so satisfied with this relationship. And it shows up in our prayer life that when we go to that secret place, we go in and we turn off the light or wherever you are, and we just focus and we concentrate and we say, Lord, this is what's going on in my life we come out satisfied that's what we're striving for as a as a praying church and so uh we look at this relationship we've talked about god seeing what is done in secret and um he's uh he watches out for us so let's get into it uh the first thing we see when jesus is talking about how to pray we see the intimacy of the gospel gospel just means good news and so we get to our Father, and we just stop right there. Oftentimes, uh, I, I go over our mission statement, what our mission statement is as a church. It's, it's if you go in the, in the back here, this, through those doors to your right, it's lit up. At least I hope it's lit up. Somebody look back there. If it's not lit up, it should be, right? And it's reach, restore, respond. Those are our things. We reach our, our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father. We restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and we respond to a move of the Spirit. That's our mission statement. So anytime I'm preaching a sermon, and I see those things line up, I just put them here as a reminder. So the first thing is intimacy of the gospel. Reach. This is it. Our Father. Did you know that God is your Father? He's your Heavenly Father. There's an intimacy there. And for some of us, when I say Father, it draws up the exact opposite. We think, Some of our fathers were horrible. Some of our fathers abandoned us. Some of our fathers were just constantly on us going, you can do better. You can do better. You can do better. That's unhealthy. Right. And so when I say God is your father, that might be an area that we need to grow in. Depending on what our history, what our history is. But the idea is that this is an intimate relationship with God. Jesus is saying, essentially, when I go up on the hillside, when I go by myself, here's what I do. I connect with my father. Very intimate. I'm going to him as a daddy. That's the intimacy of the gospel. This is what we invite people to when uh, when we say to reach our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with what? The love of the father. It's come. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. We just read in verse 6 of Matthew, it says, do not be like them. These are the babbling pagans, the ones who think they're going to be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. When when I go to before my heavenly father, I'm not to pray the same thing every time, just like I wouldn't go to my real father, call him up every time and say the exact same thing, right? If my kids came to me in the morning and it was the exact same thing and then I came home from work and it was the exact same thing, I'd go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what, w- what, what is it about me that's making you do this? Right? That's the intimacy we need to connect with that I need to connect with in my prayer life. He is really my heavenly father. Isn't that a trip? Doesn't that freak you out? That we can have an int- We can go boldly Before the throne of God? I must not be very spiritual because you guys are like, yeah, we had this down. It's just, it's just weird to me. He says, be not, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Think about what you need right now. Think about your life right now. I don't know where you are, but you might need a boyfriend, you might need a girlfriend, you might need a spouse, you might need a new job, you might need different kids, you you might need different parents, (laughs) okay? Yeah, now see the parents are like, oh, what's he say that for, right? They don't like it when I go the other way, right? Think about your life. Seriously, let's just take a moment. Think about it. What do you need? What do you, what, what is your deepest need right now? Your heavenly father knows already. He already knows. He knows how that need's going to be f- fulfilled. You, you might art- articulate it all wrong. Oh, Lord, I need a wife. And the Lord says, No, you need companionship. You need community. That's really what you need. But I understand. He's our heavenly father, and he knows. So Jesus goes into this thing in Luke chapter 11, and he says, Look, a- ask seek knock treat him like a father my son jesse whom most of you know by this time he was going to sit here instead of going to his class i said no you got to go to your class because i knew i'd be talking about him but one of the quiet places that i'll work in sometimes is in my bedrooms because that's kind of separate from the rest of the house so i'll get my laptop on i'll be going going all of a sudden okay who is it it's me Jesse, that's what he says every time. Like I don't, when he says it's me, I already know who it is. It's me. I'm like three, two, one, Jesse, right? So the first time he opens the door, I'm totally stoked. I'm like patient. I am the model father. What is it, buddy? Oh, okay. Fantastic. Hey, little friend, I'm, I'm working right now, right? I'm super proud of myself. I'm working right now, buddy. So if you could not knock on that door and bother me, that'd be great. Okay, Dad, love you, love you too, son. Okay. Whew, here we are. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, who is it? It's me, Jesse, right? <laughs> okay, bud, I got that. Jesse, come on, what is it? Remember what we said just five minutes ago? Yeah. And so he starts in on the things. Can I ride my bike? No, mom's not here, it's getting dark. Wait till mom gets home and you'll talk to her. Okay, all right? And don't, remember the don't bugging part, you know. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, Jesse. What is it, bud? Yeah, I'm starting to get more and more impatient, more and more impatient. And he keeps going, he keeps going until finally I'm like, hey, I told you not to bang on the door, right? And usually it's that time when he was going, I was just going to tell you I love you, you know, <laughs> right? And then you're just like, oh, man. You go from like father of the year to, you know, God wants you knocking on his door all the time, bugging him. He's never impatient. He's never working on anything. Well, he's working on a lot of other stuff, but it doesn't bother him for some reason. he's, He's good at that. Multitasking, right? There's an intimacy. We go to him all the time, knocking on the door. Knock, ask, seek, knock. Now, here's what he says right after he says, ask, seek, knock. He says, which of you fathers, he's talking to the people out there. If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil. (laughs) So Jesus is so cool. uh, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's our daddy. He's our father. And Jesus says, when I go to the mountain and pray, when I get alone, I say, my father. That's how we pray. This idea of intimacy in the gospel. Now, this next thing he says is the authority of the gospel. And this is the restore part of our, of our mission. We have the reach part. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. You're saved by grace. Come on in. Accept him. Ask him into your heart. He loves you. He's your, what did we sing this morning? He's our savior, right? But what else we read this morning or sang this morning was, my Jesus, my savior, my king. There's now an authority part of going before our Father. Our Father, who's in heaven, by the way, and hallowed be his name. There's an authority. This is the restore part. Okay, we're saved. We're reached. God has saved us through Jesus. And now he goes, okay, now here's some of the things I want you to work on. Oh, wait a minute. I want to go back to the intimacy part. Remember the daddy part where you're knocking on the door and, hey, how's it going? No, there's another part that Jesus is connecting us to. Who, who's in heaven? Hallowed be your name. Martin Luther says it this way. How is God's name hallowed among us when both our doctrine and our life are truly Christian? Now, today, Christian means something different than it did back in his day. We've kind of made it like something different. But really, it's a Christ follower. When your doctrine and your life match up with Jesus. That's exactly what Luther's saying here. That's how his name is glorified. See, to the Jew at this time, a Jew would never just pray "Our Father." if you look at the Jewish prayers, which a very smart person did on my behalf, and I stole all his information uh, he, they'd say things like this, "O oh Lord, Father," and then add, "And ruler of my life. O oh Lord, Father and God of my life." O Father, King of great power, most high, almighty God. And the day of the of atonement, the Jews would pray this prayer 44 times. O Father, O King, O Lord. Basically, it's our Father, our King, our Father, our King. They connected with the intimacy, but also understood the authority. Have you ever been... Uh, either kids talking to your parents or parents who have kids or if you're a teacher and a student you've got this you've got this dual relationship with authority i have this with my son and my daughters you know we joke around we wrestle we kid each other sometimes we give each other a little jab you know hey and then all of a sudden they cross the line and i'm like hey that was disrespectful same i'm the same guy same dad Same, I love joking around, but there's something, you know. Or it'll happen at church. You know, we'll be adults, we'll be, the kids will be fun. We love each other. That's what I love about this church. It's a multi-generational church. Old and young at each end of the spectrum. All love each other and respect each other. Ugh, it's awesome. But there's that time when you say something. I remember with my dad, my dad and I used to joke. And then I'd say, well, maybe that's why you're so fat. Ah. Oh, no. <laughs> right? It's like you just know right when you say it. Oh, that's going to come back to bite me. Right? Why? Because you're, you're toeing the line. Well, this is part of our prayer life. There's, there's a sense of intimacy when we go before our Father. He loves us. He knows what we need. But there's also a sense of authority. He's in heaven. And his name must be glorified. And so when I'm praying, I pray along those lines. Or, you know, when we pray, we should be praying along those lines. So we look at this. God, he's our, our father friend, but he's also an authority figure. Look at Jesus. We sang about this this morning. He's our savior. He loves us. He's our friend, but he's also our Lord. And the Holy Spirit intercedes uh, on our behalf. And, and he says, you know, he goes before the Father, and again, I don't know how all this works, how God, the Holy Spirit, goes before the Father, but somehow he does, and he, he groans with uh, words that are too deep for us to understand on our behalf. But then he goes the other way and says, you know what, dude, you need to stop doing that. See what I mean? See this, this tension? This is exactly the tension uh, Jesus is talking about when, uh, when he says, Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, where we're going to spend the majority of our time is in this next statement right here. The summary of the gospel. This is respond in our thing. What does the gospel actually mean for your life and my life? Am I any different because of this good news? Because that's what Jesus is saying. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're essentially praying, when we pray that, is whatever your will is, however it impacts me, I submit. Look what happens after Jesus is risen from the dead. We're getting ahead. That's, that's next week at Easter. It says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. For 40 days, he spoke to them going, now look, this is what it means. This is it now. The kingdom's here. It's established. This is what it's going to mean to you personally. This is what it's going to mean in our city. This is what it's going to mean globally. That's why when he commissions them, he's like, right here in your local community, farther out in Orange County, and then all over the world. This is the kingdom. This is the way that the kingdom impacts us. When Jesus went before Pilate, what did Pilate say? Are you a king? Are you really a king? And Jesus says this. So cool. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But, my, but now my kingdom is from another place. <laughs> Jesus is like the master of not saying what I want him to say. You know? I want him to say like, yes, I am a king. <laughs> you know and like whoa but he's just like yeah my kingdom's from another place why because for jesus he was always operating for those of you who are new (laughs) there's two kingdoms one's down here that's the kingdom of earth one's up here it's the kingdom of, of heaven this happens to be one of my favorite topics by the way the kingdom of god and so Jesus was always operating up here, and he knows when he's talking to Pilate, who's a, who's a leader, high-level leader down here, he's not going to understand. So he says, my kingdom's from another place. So he says, uh, Pilate goes back and says, so you are a king then, right? And Jesus answered, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Okay, now, I want you to get this. So then that's when Pilate says his famous words, you know, asks the question, what is truth? But Jesus says this, For I came into this world to testify to the truth, everyone on the side of truth, on the side of truth listens to me. Everyone who's part of this kingdom, who's saying, Lord, let your kingdom come. The Greek, if you were to read it literally, it says kingdom. Uh, Yeah, kingdom, let it come. Kingdom, let it come. My mind is on the kingdom. Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you, right? Kingdom, let it come. Let it come. That's what it means. In the Talmud, which is a Jewish commentary of the Bible, it says this, a prayer in which there's no mention of the kingdom of God is no prayer at all. <laughs> Isn't that true? Think about it in your own life. Analyze your own prayers. Whose kingdom are your prayers really for? Yours or God's? I have to ask myself, who, am I, who do I really want this for? Right? I can think about things in the church that I want, that I want to change. I won't verbalize them here. Uh, but, you know, and I'm like, Lord, you know, I really want this. And oftentimes the Lord says, why? Is it really for my glory? Or is it because you're just frustrated? Um, the one you want it to be, <laughs> right? <laughs> why? 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 What? what why, why do you want this? I really need a new job. Why? Whose kingdom is it? That's what I had to ask myself, uh. uh this week see really a lot of times what i say is lord my kingdom come and you can just tweak it a little the way you see fit here's my kingdom this is what i want this is my agenda this is what i'm going for i'm going to go and then you just whatever just make it happen or don't happen or whatever but i'm on the move you guys have all seen this commercial i'm going to show but uh so it's your, the commercial isn't new but when I see this, I I felt like God actually spoke to me and said, This is your prayer life, right here. This is how you live. Okay? <laughs> Ready? Alright, cool. Now, I didn't have enough time. Uh, I tried very quickly, but I was going to change that and put prayer where it says sink. Like, that's how I pray. I'm jamming with my Starbucks door open. Like, I'm going to, this is my kingdom and you just work your magic on it and make sure it's spiritual. And if I get out of line, well, then give me a little nudge back. But I don't really say your kingdom come. Like, Wipe mine out. What I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks is there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the earth and there's the kingdom of God. And they are not bordering nations. They are at war. They're warring with each other. In John chapter 14 it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Do, 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 do. yay. So that the son may bring glory to the father. It's his kingdom. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If it glorifies the kingdom is what in my name means. All of Matthew has been talking about Jesus as Messiah to these Jewish people. He's the king. It's his kingdom. Anything that has his name attached to it is the kingdom. Is his kingdom. He's the king. He's the guy. It's difficult in American culture to understand this because we have elected officials. Jesus is not an elected official. His agenda is his agenda. And that's how we pray. We essentially say, Lord, wipe me out. Let me show you how my prayer life is. Any of you guys play Risk? Okay, (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Passionate about Risk. So I, I, I don't play it anymore because it just takes way too long. And if I'm going to put that much time into something, I'm going to be on the golf course. So so basically you've got these little men and you've got your territory and you roll your dice and you try to take over Madagascar or whatever it is that you're trying to take over. And so you've got your all the stuff that's yours, all these men, and then you roll oh, and you take over a little bit more, a little bit more, and then you roll and, oh man, that didn't work. That's how I feel sometimes my prayer life is. I got all my stuff, and I'm like, okay, Lord, now I want this. Oh, oh, good. I got, oh, now I want this. Now I want this. Oh, no, they took some of mine. no. Oh, okay, how about this? And I, I'm just holding on. I just I want to take over the world because then it'll be my kingdom, and it's all going the way I want, and the Lord must agree because I've got it all. Maybe a few times I was unlucky, but if I just keep playing, I might take over. Right? And so I'm playing that game. And the Lord comes in and he takes the table and he turns it over and goes, hey, I wanted to talk to you. And I go, ah, I almost had Madagascar. What are you doing? And he's like, what? We're not playing. We're not playing risk. It's not about that. It's about you and me. I wanted to talk to you. You were too sidetracked. Get that out of the way. You say, Jesus, he just overturned the table. Oh, (laughs) I get it now. See, we love the story of Jesus overturning the tables unless he's doing it in my own life. Then it's not fair. And Jesus says, listen, you've made your life a den of robbers, dude. I want you to make it, this temple of God, a house of prayer, a house of intimacy with me. I want your kingdom utterly devastated. I want it annihilated. I'm not playing around. That, that's uncomfortable for me. See, every earthly kingdom goes the way of the flesh. Historians tell us we've had 21 great civilizations. They're all gone. I love America with all my heart. Love this country. I love our freedom. I love it all. But it's a kingdom of the flesh. It's going to go that way. Our job as Americans isn't to get America to be an ally of the kingdom of God. Let's get to a point where we're, we still keep all of our materialism, everything, but we do it in a way that's Christian, and then we can be an ally, and that way God won't devastate us. God needs to devastate us. Not as America, like, bring judgment down, and, you know, that's why we have floods and hurricanes. Not that. Us. Our individual kingdoms. And I, I have to look at my life and say, in my prayer life, Am I trying to establish my own kingdom or God's? And see, here's the great thing. If you look at prayer the way Jesus did, our Father, loving intimacy, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we give up our kingdom, that is the best person to give it up to. We we, we we go for president, we're like, well, who's going to be the one that has the least amount of taxes but still takes care of the poor because I don't want to do that? And if we get you know, kind of get everything all in, well, who would be the best one? God is the best one. He's not running for president, right? He's running for king, not of America, of our lives. I was joking with Gary this morning. I said, you ready to get your butt kicked this week from the Bible? I said, because I got two black eyes and I'm feisty. God kicked my butt this week. I really am looking out for my own kingdom. That's one of the bummers about going to your secret place. Because you're like, okay, here I am. Ah, What's that all about? Well, if it were just in heaven, hallowed be your name, it would be one thing. But it's our Father. And His kingdom must come. All earthly kingdoms are going to fail. Check this out. Luke four forty three says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. For this purpose. Jesus was sent to establish the kingdom. Guys... This is our purpose. To advance the kingdom of God. Now, that might look totally radically different for each of us. I mean, we might be praying, Lord, I I pray for this new job. And the Lord's like, I don't even want you to have a job. You're done with that. Oh, Lord, I, I really want this spouse. I don't even want you dating right now. I want all this. I talked about this before. Remember when, 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 when the U.S. went into Iraq, we had that campaign called Shock and Awe, right? You just go in and utterly just go nuts. That's what Jesus is asking us to pray for. Your kingdom come. Do it. Whatever it is, take it away. Add it if it needs to be added. Take it away if we need to take it away. Jesus says, this is the purpose I came for, was to establish this kingdom. Why? Because we have a loving Father who knows what we need. We can trust Him. Is that not a scary prayer? To go before God, maker of heaven and earth and everything, and go, destroy me. That, I love Jesus, guys. I love my relationship with God. But I'm a little scared of that prayer. As though I could control it anyway by like not having him do it because I didn't pray for it. Technically, I didn't mention anything, so there. Right? It's scary. It's scary to hear God say, I, you're going to be poor your whole life. You're going to be single your whole life. Your marriage is going to suck your whole life. Yeah, is that what God wants for us to be in pain? No, but we have to look through the eyes of his kingdom. This is not a health and wealth type thing. God says, see that thing you called your your, your retirement? I'm leveling that and I'm making a way for an orphanage. That whole place you had planned out, yeah, I'm taking that land over. Oh, yeah, this idea you had for a wife, now nah, we're going to get rid of that because I want you in the mission field. Oh yeah, this thing you were doing, oh, you great job, we're leveling that because I want to put in a park or whatever. I mean, I don't know. It's scary. But your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is all under this banner of a loving, all-powerful God. Check this out. This this verse is going to rock you. <clears throat> Luke 17:20. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. Remember, all everyone's looking for an earthly kingdom. This is what Palm Sunday is all about. All these religious people looking for my kingdom come. And here comes the king who's going to establish it. Jesus, save us. Get rid of these Romans. And Jesus is like, "Romans?" Dude, I'm going to pro- prophesy that this whole thing is going to be wiped out. Your ho- life as you know it is going to be gone when my kingdom comes. That's essentially what was happening. So they said, when's this, when's this kingdom going to come? And it was the Pharisees. So it's like, hey, dude, if you're going to pull the trigger, come on, what's taking you so long? And Jesus says this, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Now, if you study the New American Standard Bible, to me personally, I think it's a better translation uh, overall, but they got it wrong on this one. The NIV got it right. Because the New American Standard says the kingdom of God is in your midst. And so we automatically think, oh, he's talking about himself. Jesus is there. But they're two radically different Greek words. I won't tell you what they are because I don't know what they are. I forgot them. Oh, I remember the second one. But the first one is about in your midst. Like here I come in and I'm walking and I'm just, I walk down the aisle and I'm in your midst. That's kind of how we see in your midst, right? All through scriptures. It's mesos, I think it is. And it's just, hey, yeah, right. And Paul walked through their midst. This is entros. This is, this is, the kingdom of God is here. It's in you. Now the question is, are you going to submit to it? And let it completely take over? Or are you going to fight with it? Because remember, these two kingdoms, you can't have both. We don't just try to build up this kingdom and go, okay, I won't bug you if you don't bug me, God. (laughs) God wants that territory. He wants that territory. The territory of my heart, God wants it. He's passionate about it. He wants to develop it. He wants to put a, a godly strip mall in it. Wants to level out everything I think is great and put what he wants in there. That's what he wants. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God, you think it's down here? I'm going to ride in on a horse and take over. That's that's my kingdom come. You should be praying thy kingdom come. You're just trying to use eternity to fix your problems is what Jesus is essentially saying. And I do it all the time. I want eternity to fix my issues. To help me out a little bit. Throw me a bone every now and then. Life's hard. And God's saying, I want everything, every last dime. I want to come in and ravage it. Why? Because I love you and you're going to love what I do. I'm your heavenly Father and I love you. The plans I have for you are for goodness, it's the way you were designed. This is your purpose. What I'm going to build in your life, it's not going to have anything to do with your kingdom, but it's going to be awesome when I'm done. And then I kick and I fight the whole time. Go, yeah, I know. I believe it, Lord. Oh, wait, no, but that's, I'm actually using that part there. So just if you could leave that, that'd be cool. So what does Jesus do? He Right after he says this, the kingdom of God's within you, he, we see right after this in Luke, three quick things that he's talking about the kingdom. The first is, come to it like a child. They were trying to push the children away, and Jesus says, no, no. You got, this is how you get to the kingdom, like a child. You come uh, in humility. You got nothing. A child has nothing. That's how we come. He says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will, will not enter it at all. secondly, You have to give it all up. This is the rich young ruler. This is security. We can't go after the kingdom of God and hold on to my retirement plan like just in case it doesn't work out. I'm still covered. That's what he was identifying in the rich young ruler. And he said, uh, uh, he said, you go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and then you can follow me. In other words, get rid of all your security. That's the part, that's the land I want from you. I want all that money. (laughs) Isn't that what it seems like sometimes in church? Pastor talking about money? Luke 18, 24 says this. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because we want a little bit of our kingdom too. I'm cool with that as long as it doesn't touch my slice of the pie. And then the second thing is, oops, the third thing is, click, there we go. God, to hate father and mother. <laughs> he says, truly I say to you, there's none... Uh, no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, where it won't be paid back to them again and, again and again and again and again and again. This is our identity. See, back in that culture, your family was your identity. Your name was everything. And you say, I put it all aside. And God says, you will be rewarded beyond what you're able to understand. There's a, there's a thing, uh, little thing you'll see on the back of a car. Uh, think locally, act globally. Usually it's on the back of a VW bus uh, that is has like an enormous carbon footprint um, uh, and so y- you see that and or you see it on uh, Earth Day two thousand and seven that was their their big thing. think locally act globally and man there's a lot of truth to that to 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 have a bigger vision than yourself and then focus it all on yourself and whether you're a tree hugger or you, you know, want all the trees gone uh, because for banks or whatever. I just try to pick the two extremes, just playing around. But the, the concept is the same. Now, what I, what I, I was thinking, how would I, how would I verbalize that concept? Because I think it is a good concept. Because if we think globally all the time, we get what? We get frustrated. Because we're like, it's not happening the way we want. It's not happening the way we want. But if we can focus just on what we're doing, we can have an impact. Okay, this is, this is the kingdom. We think eternally and we act immediately. We think eternally. His kingdom, we have an eternal mindset. How is this going to impact the kingdom? The poor need to be fed. The widows need to be taken care of. I'm going to do that. Nate had a great concept of, um, I listened to his sermon last week, about how we're 100% physical and we're 100% spiritual. And we go, the math doesn't add up, but it's true. And so we have this, unfortunately, right now, it says we are veiled in the way we look at spiritual things. But someday we're going to look with unveiled face and behold the glory of the Lord. Now we're just being renewed day by day down here. And so there's an idea of we think eternally. Okay, what is really my retirement mean for the kingdom eternally? And then we act immediately. The Lord says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get rid of that. Go, we do it. Why? Because we have an eternal mindset. It's all about us. The kingdom of God is within us. And we have a choice whether we raise the white flag in our prayer life and say, Lord, may your kingdom come, whatever it is. Take it away. Add to it. I don't care. Let your will be done. In my life on earth, in my flesh, just like Jesus did, the perfect model as it is in heaven we are in down we are